Alrighty, welcome to another scintillating episode of the GT sessions. Everything that shits me about business and one thing that I love. Um, Gerda and I are talking today a bit about twinning. We yep. are both wearing glasses because that, that's what cool girls do. That's what big boss ladies do. Uh, we have both made major life moves in mm. very close proximity to one another. Um, and we're still running our businesses and still still doing all the things. And guess what? Sky's still standing. So I thought we could talk about that today. So tell us about your move, Gerda. Tell us. You have to tell us about your little friend on the stairs too. <laughs> you did not tell me that we're going to talk about that aspect of the move. Well, you know. <laughs> well, what's, what's a little conversation like that between friends, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, so we moved to Agnes Water. We did a bit of the opposite of what Tess did in her family. So you guys moved from more like a regional town. I'm not sure, am I allowed to call Hobart regional? Is it regional? Yes, yeah. a capital, a regional capital. Regional capital. Um, towards the big smoke. You moved into the big smoke in Melbourne, right? Yeah. And um, I did the opposite. I moved yes. from the big smoke. Yes. <laughs> well, I wasn't in the city. I was still 30, you know, 30 to 40 minutes out of the city in the suburbs, but moved from Brisbane six and a half hours up north to Agnes Border. Is it really six and a half hours? I'm still, yeah. it's still blowing my mind. Yeah. I still yeah. underestimate how big Queensland is. Even having lived in Queensland, I still underestimate how big Queensland is. Yeah. Six and a half hours. Is That's that driving true. time? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's doable if you had to. Yes, yes. Six and a half hours north in the lovely Agnes Water. Um, loving everything about it except the wildlife. I mean, I love the wildlife. I don't like it when it's in my house and on my doorstep, like my little friend that <laughs> was alluding to because uh, sometimes, you know, when, when you're here by yourself, my husband wasn't here as yet. I was here with the boys and you alone in your room before you go to bed who do you box up and tell about all your adventures <laughs> your business bestie right um yes i have a lovely green little friend that loves to sit on the stairs and prevent prevent me from getting into the house at night um yeah yeah nice. and we're not talking about you know like a a, a, a crocodile <laughs> no a we're not talk. talking about we're not talking about a, a giant kind of alien from another planet. It's a green frog. And it's I had to call frog. my husband and say, I don't know, because the boys are downstairs and you need to go outside to come to my room upstairs. Like, who built a house like that? But anyway, it's a rental. Um, <laughs> yes, must be. <laughs> and um, I called my husband and said, I don't know what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to go sleep in the boys' room with one of them because I can't get upstairs. There's a frog on the stairs and he then dares to respond to me well Gerda you are always telling your people to step out of their comfort zones I think you need to step out of your comfort zone and just walk past the little guy knowing I don't want to and I won't <laughs> I was not happy with that response <laughs> I think it's hysterically funny and I'm not even sorry <laughs> yes you, I, I could hear in the box that you tried really hard, hard to hide your chuckling <laughs> whilst being supportive of my traumatic experience. Yeah. 
Yes. No. Look, I know it's difficult, but can we just remind everybody that you, you come from Africa? Yes. <laughs> like there are all sorts of wild creatures in Africa. <laughs> Yes, and I was a bit of a, 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 a wild child in terms of, you know, I rode horses when I was younger. I cleaned stables. I went to the farm, all of that stuff. But I don't know, some, I, I, I didn't grow up in Australia and the creepy crawlies here can be very scary. The geckos, the blue tongue lizards, the koanas, the snakes, the insects. The other day, well, that's not really the, the topic of the podcast, but something I told my husband that was like, out of an alien movie, right? Maybe it was this version of it, but it looked like something out of an alien movie that was like walking on the car when I went to open the door after I got the boys from school. It's like crazy. The stuff that you need to endure, but I am getting used to it. And, I, and, I, and I'm not complaining, I'm full of gratitude. But yes, I am most certainly stepping outside of my comfort zone. And I guess the message is, you know, for me, moving here is part of getting closer to my ideal perfect day where I'm close to the ocean. I love the ocean. It's my happy place. I want to be in a place where I can see it, where I can hear it, where I can walk to it. My yeah. husband loves the bush. That's why this was the perfect location for us because, look, there's lots of bush, right? Um, he would live in a forest somewhere. It was up to him. So we've got the best of both worlds. But even though I have that best of both worlds now, it still comes with challenges, right? Yep. Um, nothing is ever just smooth sailing and it might, people might go, oh, well, that's not really a challenge, Gerda, but to me, that is, right? Well, I think the challenge is also, let's be honest, you, you've got a big business that you run, uh, that, that you own and is based in Brisbane and you've got wonderful team who support you in the day-to-day -day operations of the business, um, which makes a huge difference. Um, and I've got the same thing. In fact, my practice, my multi, my, my practice has office in Launceston and in Hobart is, well, Hobart's the main office. Launceston uh, was a more recent addition in 2016 and I've now separated those into two different practices. Um, and um, our husbands aren't with us. Mm. So this is the other thing, you know, we've made these major changes and all of the ducks haven't gotten into a row as, as you and I know that rarely ever happens that ducks get into a row. Um, yeah, my husband's work has got him tied to Hobart for a while and, um, you know, and your husband's tied to, to Brisbane for a while and, you know, it, it's just hats off to solo parents because it's a tough gig. Um, I've actually had to swallow my pride and cancel my 6am meetings for the time being because I'm just too stretched. Self-care is a big part of what I preach, so I've got to start practising it. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, yes, it's it's a first world problem to say, oh, well, I've moved to this new place and these frogs are terrorising me and there's this creature that looks like it came from another planet and oh, woe is me, but look at the beach. But the reality is we've made big decisions. We've both made big decisions for different reasons. You've got your ideal perfect day. For me, it's about, um, I needed a, a bigger launch pad for, for where I'm heading with my stuff. And that is proving already to be fertile soil. I've already got all sorts of things sort of popping both mm. outside, but around me and inside. I've got ideas popping, you know, and I needed to be somewhere where I felt I was in fertile soil. <laughs> Make yeah. it about what you will. And, uh, and Melbourne is, you know, I've lived here before. Mm -hmm. Lived here before, 
So for me, the idea was to talk also about how, um, you know, practice owners and business owners generally, you know, you don't have to be tied to, you know, it's not like you need to have this great big stone around your ankle tying you to your business. And if your business is running independently and you've proven that by being able to go on holidays and you've proven that by being able to take maternity leave and have a baby or go overseas for a month or all of the things and the wheels keep turning and you've got a team that you trust and who are really good at their jobs, you've got a good solid united team culture, then it's about finding ways to make it work. So, um, you know, I think, yeah. So I, I really encourage people to think about, well, it's, it's, I guess it's a little bit like when we say, oh, we won't move, we won't relocate our family because our kids are happy in their school. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, everything else is sort of going at half speed because mm -hmm. we don't want to disrupt the kids. It's a really valid reason to stay stable, but it's not the only reason to weigh up when you're considering what's best for the family overall. Um, my Very kids are with the change. Yeah, my yeah, kids are with the change. I think sometimes we underestimate how resilient kids can be with change, right? Um, and for us, it's also, in terms of the school, it's been a magnificent change uh, because the classes are so small, they get individualized attention. Um, they've got activities here, like surfing on a Monday and Friday morning before school that they didn't have, right? So, um, and, and we didn't even expect that when, when we decided to come. And it, and it is about making a whole of family decision right and 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 all of that is of course interlinked with our business and our career because truly and honestly you know my business what i do as a mentor even as a practice owner it's driven by that passion and that desire to have that impact on yeah. the mental health of people and now to do that by empowering business owners mm. but you know it's still interlinked with the family mm. and the business allows us to do what's good for the family and, yes. and, and to create that life that you want there. And it is about moving towards, you mentioned, you know, that you don't have to be confined to that location. Uh, just thinking that you can do whatever you want. Yeah. That's the limit. If, if it is your dream to be in your practice and, you know, to, to just stay there, and I'm not saying just, like that is what you want to do. You want your hands in, in the everyday practice stuff, then that's yeah. what you do. It's amazing. Yeah. But you can do whatever else it is that you want to do. And that's the freedom that running your business really well allows you. Mm. And I want to have that choice to choose how much clinical work I do, how much mentoring I do. You know, I've even been toying with the idea of, do I do four hours of clinical work again whilst I'm here? Because there's such a need. There's not one psychologist, right, in my whole town. None. It's like, how crazy is that? I feel like torn that I, that I have to do at least something, but I now have that choice to do that. Yeah, I think that's a real, because I'm actually going through twinning. I'm going through the same thought process. So new territory, new, new horizons, new ideas. And, um, and, and, you know, for me, it's about wandering down a street. So at the moment, I've fallen in love with Albert Park and the shopping precinct there and wandering down the street and, um, uh, you know, just sort of your mind wanders and, oh, it'd be nice. To, oh, that'd be a lovely spot for a practice. Oh, that'd be a lovely spot for a practice. You know, that sort of thing starts to... And then what I'm noticing is the next stage of thinking is starting to unfold, which is 
well, how much time would I want to give to it? How much mm. time can I give to it yeah. if I choose to go down that road? Mm. And given that it would be such a small amount of time available that I would have, what what would be my focus? And so already I'm having this hyper niche conversation with myself about, okay, well, it would be this area and then within that it would be that and then within mm. that it would be that. And it's almost like those Russian dolls until you get down to the smallest, tiniest, weeniest little doll in the middle. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's what my thinking is on that tiny mm. little mm. doll, thinking about, okay, you know, I think it would be exciting to start something new but starting with all the knowledge. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, I've got team in Hobart who um, but they're, they're sort of finding their feet. They, they never saw an awful lot of me anyway, mm-hmm. like your team in Brisbane. They, you know, obviously your leadership team saw you super regularly. Um, <clears throat> but my team in Hobart, just the fact that I am geographically moved now, it's, mm-hmm. it's a little bit destabilising. Like they're wobbling a little bit, but not in a big way. They're just going, oh, how do we feel about this? They're just asking themselves, how do we feel? I'm not sure how I feel about this. I'm not sure how I do feel about this. Mm-hmm. So give them a couple of weeks and they'll realise it's actually... Yeah, business as usual. Yeah. yeah. Business as usual. It is nice to be, I think, um, given the opportunity, I mean, I don't say lucky, you've worked really damn hard at your business, I've worked really damn hard at my business. And, you know, we've both got these practices that are about 10 ish years old each. And, you know, we've worked damn hard at that to be in a position where I think you and I both. Um, are very clear on the CEO nature of how we run our businesses. You don't expect the CEO of McDonald's to work in your local McDonald's shop. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I remind myself sometimes that, well, as a CEO of a business, I shouldn't need to physically be in the business all the time. Um, it should be thriving whether I get hit by a bus tomorrow or not. You know, that's kind of thing. Um, someone else takes over the mantle. Um, if you get hit by a bus, it's all across my fingers. That doesn't happen. Because here it would be a tram and that would be really messy. We think it's eaten by a guana. Um, I, I guess if, yeah, and, and it's so true, because if you don't have that confidence, then hmm. that tells you, that's a red flag to say that you don't have the systems and processes in place, yeah. right? And then you need yeah. to go back to the drawing board and make sure that you put those in place. Yeah. Um, that can happen. That's how you future proof your practice because touch wood nothing would happen to any practice owner but sometimes things do happen right and you can't then leave everybody in a tailspin including the clients because nobody knows what's going on that's it Um, so it is so important to do that and you know it is where team is also very important you know i was reflecting on our journeys being able to be remote also juggling all the stuff right juggling family you know parenting all of that stuff and um i i truly would find it really hard to do what i do without having team in place to support me yeah i think very often and i've been through this myself in the early days and i I see so many practice owners that go through this that they're so scared to take someone on out of fear of doing it the wrong way, being disappointed, not knowing how to do it, it's gonna cost me money, and all that does is hold them back, right? Um, you've seen that too, right? I have totally seen all of that. You know, you, you, you can't do what you do. I, you know, I've, 
um, you know, forever grateful for the administrative staff I've got and um, the way they just keep everything running smoothly as, as you know as humanly possible of course no it's perfect we were lucky and I can literally say now lucky um, you know not that long ago I couldn't have seen it this way <laughs> but I was lucky to have lost a practice manager um, uh, some time ago who left with a lot of knowledge in her head about how everything ran and we just had to start learning what we didn't know and documenting as we went and um so we now have a full suite of policies and procedures that are tucked away somewhere safe so that anybody can can access them if they're needed mm. nobody ever reads these things we know that but at least they are there now and we can go back to them when we need to and yeah if the worst case scenario ever happened again um <clears throat> we've got documentation of how things work so that it's easy for the next person to pick up and follow and run on with. Um, I think that having more than, it's such a danger mm. having all the knowledge in your own brain. And I think a lot of business owners struggle with this in particular, this delegation of knowledge and, and uh, mm. fear that they're handing over too much knowledge um, about how their business runs. And I think it's so important to get over that and get past that. I'm yeah. always talking about the CEO thing. Yeah. CEO doesn't not trust the COO to do their job. You know, you, you've got to hand that baton on a little bit. Yes, and it's how people get their work experience, right? By learning these things. Yeah. And hopefully one day you as a practice owner will benefit from hiring somebody else with that work experience, right? Not somebody that's going to come and give you somebody else's intellectual property, but yeah. have Experience. That's what it is about. And it's really, we have to be confident in our contracts when it talks about IP and that type of stuff. So we can uh, freely share with our team, right? But I do know very often it's for practice owners. And, and to be honest, I'm actually going through this myself as well with my mentoring part of the business, right? Where it is about handing over control but, but more control of your reputation, control yeah. of the results that you normally get, control of the outcomes you get your clients. And, and, you know, I'm sure you can relate to this, because as a mentor, you know, it's me, myself, and I. And, of course, I'm very fortunate to have Abby, who's my personal assistant. But we've built up this five-year-old. I can't believe it's five years this year. Really? Five, yes. I'm doing Elevate, Celebrate, right? Five years old of mentoring, being a business coach and mentor, building the practice, that, that, that part of the business up to, uh, you know, uh, what I think is a significant revenue point, just me and one person. But truly, I, I, I'm having this discussion with myself that in order to scale this business, yeah. I need to hire more team. It's mm. like, I know I have to, but I don't want to. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What if it loses the Gertamala flavor? What if it loses the private practice success oomph, right? The stuff yeah. that I'm good at so I'm, I'm consciously having to coach myself yeah. through a conversation and i know i've been through that as a practice owner as well and the flip the, of course the counterpoint is you know your fear is losing the gertamala flavor the, the the counterpoint to that is what if i win somebody else's amazing so, you know, I have a virtual assistant who helps me with my um, scheduled posts. So I have three posts, three static posts that go out every day. Um, because I'm doing a lot of podcasting and live streaming and other content that I generate, obviously, directly. And um, 
I'm playing with, she and I are playing around with a few concepts for some of the posts and she, I, I gave her a mission. I trust, I'd reached a point now where I trust her enough and I said, here's kind of some kind of colour ideas, here's some kind of mm. concept ideas, go and find some images and, t- and bring something back to me. Yeah. And so she created a few templates and said, what do you think? Can I post these? And I said, go for it. They're completely different to anything else I've done. Mm. Go for it. Let's see what happens. What's the worst that can happen? You know, and you know, no one's naked. No one's killing anybody. It's, you know, it's all okay. And, um, and I think that for me personally, uh, I think we are at similar points in, in that handing things over. I um, have resisted for a long time um, having anybody edit my videos. And I've sort of, I say proudly, but really stubbornly said, well, my podcast doesn't go all polished. It doesn't go edited. It doesn't have a sound engineer. It just gets recorded and loaded and that's it. It's done. How efficient am I at taking a perfect action? But really, I think about the cost. I think about finding somebody who's good. What if they suck? What if I can't find the best person that I can afford? Blah, 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 blah. I've had Evan Carmichael giving me advice on how he finds team. I still haven't done anything with it. Um, You know, and it's the same fear of it not being good enough. And so I'm much happier with imperfect because it's my imperfect than having to train somebody to live up to my imperfect standard, if that makes sense. Ridiculous, right? It'll happen. No, this is the year. This is the year for you. This is the year for me. We will have a squadron of people um, that, um, you know, help us do what we do so that we can focus our time doing. And I'm already noticing, you know, being in Melbourne, um, my time is much more clearly... um, planable I think because for me it was resisting the guilt of going into the office if I wasn't in there I'd have this feeling of I should be in there Um, and because I physically can't just go into the office for the practice Mm. it frees up a lot of thinking time yeah it's amazing how draining the 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 negative stuff we throw at ourselves how draining that can be and how distracting that can be sometimes Mm. Mm. that emotional energy into fighting yeah yeah Mm. that's right yeah that's exactly right so, um, yes, yeah, so I've got all sorts of ideas. I'm looking to recruit a videographer to come and help me with content creation and behind the scenes stuff. Um, you know, I've got all sorts of ideas and, and it is about trust. It's about trusting that someone will do a job and it'll be a good, a good enough job. And yeah. if it's not good enough, you don't have to use them again. Yeah. Correct. So, you know, and, I, and I'm giving this advice to myself as well, but, you know, to any practice owner, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, I truly believe every practice owner, if you've got a level three, four, five practice, right, um, meaning you have at least three or four clinicians, you know, working on your team, you really need a personal assistant. Absolutely. If, if you take your receptionist one day a week to be your PA for that day, mm. that's the, the biggest favor you can do yourself is to get that help. I've yeah. always used my PA, not my PA, my receptionist as my PA. I would be very clear that, you know, I'm your number one priority, of course, the clients, but, you know, when I give you something, you need to do that. But really having a dedicated day where the two of you can work together, it's so important to get that support. Yeah, and you know, and the advice to myself and to you as well is: the question is, do you want to grow this business or not? Do you want to scale this business or not? If yes, then you're going to also have to risk. 
Yep. Risk okay. wasting time with the first or second person that doesn't work out until yep. you get the third one that does and who's amazing. Uh, mm. But it's that risk. And, and I think when we are time poor or we feel time poor, it's hard risking that. Yep. It is. I think that's the thing. You know, we need to train staff and we, we often won't delegate because we're fearful of person not, to, well, we're fearful that we haven't got the time to train the person. We're fearful that if we do train the person and they leave, we've wasted our time. We're fearful that we train the person and they still don't do a good enough job, then we're going to have to performance manage them. Like there's all this stuff that we talk to ourselves about. And I've had two PAs I've had, and I've lost them both. For one of them got absorbed into my practice, so she still works with me, but not as my PA. Um, and the second one, who was my Mary Poppins PA, um, got absorbed into her parents' business, her family business, and I couldn't say no to that because it was a really a good call for her. Um, you know, now I'm working with a VA, and it may well be that over time, um, you know, my current staffing profile is going to change with the practice. Um, I've separated out the two locations and a colleague, a Hobart colleague of mine has um, bought into the practice and, um, you know, we're partnering up for a while as we transition through the next stages of what that looks like, um, which means some practical changes for my admin team in terms of how they spend their time and who's paying them <laughs> for what they're doing. They will still be there. They, you know, no one's, no one's on the seat is moving anywhere physically. Well, that thing about, well, actually, I've given you this task to do, but now there's this other person who's given you a task to do. How do we decide whose task takes priority? And how does she and I figure out how we navigate that? So sometimes it's about not being, um, not letting the fear of change stop you from doing things. Just recognise that it's a transition. Uh, and if I remind myself, it's almost like I'm lecturing myself at the moment, because if I recognise that I'm perfectly able to do that with my practice, Mm. hand the baton on to somebody else who I know is going to just put a real rocket under the next stage of what my practice in Hobart can achieve. Um, If I can do that, that's like handing over a baby. It really is like handing over a baby. It took me a long time. I mean, I know that I've spoken to you Mm. for a long time about about this idea. and that's how long it's taken for me to reach that point of being able to do that. And I think that we all as business owners worry about change. We worry about, about um, it not working out. And we forget that we forget to allow ourselves room to think about things happening in a transitory or transitionary process yeah. that we, we learn as we go. We, we try something and then we try something else and we try something else. And if that, we can always take a step backwards and then two steps forwards and yeah. try something as we go. And, and such an important point that everything is a transition, right? If you are impatient like I am, you want everything right, like yesterday. Yep. Um, but it's that reminder that it is a process. Yep. Like even moving here and adjusting, uh, you know, getting so much closer to my ideal perfect day. Yeah. yeah. It's still a transition, right? We yep. all need to get used to stuff. And, and that's just how the process is. And it's about embracing that and risking yeah if you want to grow that's, yeah. that's how it is that's exactly right i think um i was literally going to say the same thing you know moving here to me was has been a huge transition uh we made the decision in february of last year we made the decision 12 months ago mm. to move to melbourne um and we we talked i talked openly about about this 
decision with my team. Um, so they've been aware of this coming um, for a long time. Um, you know, October, end of October last year, we found this apartment and decided to take on a lease. We weren't quite ready, but we knew this was the right apartment for us. And so we, we snapped it up. Um, obviously the timing with my husband's work, a few things out of our control that meant that he wasn't able to just up and leave yet. But, you know, again, forward thinking, we know this is a transition. The work that he does actually has a footprint in Melbourne and it's not outside the realms of possibility that he can just, you know, pick up his bag and come and plonk it over here tomorrow and we're done. We don't know yet. Yeah. Then it's okay. It's okay to have some unknowns. Everything else is working really well. He's fly in, fly out. I'm fly in, fly out. So between the two of us, we try not to be in the same state at the same time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> He's here at the moment. <laughs> so it means that we're not, you know, as a family, we're not away from each other for too long. You know, we try and, and, and make it work so that we're, we're, you know, spending good, fun time together um, as often as is workable. Um, and we just keep tweaking that as we go forward, seeing what works, what doesn't work and tweaking that as we go forward. Mm. Most certainly, you know, and the other thing that, that pops up for me, um, which is also something that me and you have often spoken about on Boxer, I guess that was the purpose of this podcast, right? When we started this, we said these things that we talked about in private on Boxer, we yep. need to let the world know about all of this stuff. And that's where the MT show started, the whole idea, right? Yeah. Um, but when you think about the different hats, right, that we wear on a daily basis, yeah. um, wife, friend, mentor, coach, practice owner, CEO, blah, 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 blah. you know, you can probably add another 10 to it. Um, and the amount of behavioral flexibility that that requires yeah. from the one to the other. Yeah. And I think that is a skill almost that you need to learn because it was really hard for me in the start oh. to do that shift. Great. Um, and these days, if I'm not able to do that, I would be so frustrated at the end of the day. And that was like the early years. So that was certainly a skill that I would also encourage people to work on in terms of how do I become, you know, better at switching the hats. Yeah, I think that's really important. I remember um, my first job, my first proper job out of uni was in the prison system and I had a really clear cut. I didn't have kids at that time. I had a really clear cut um, process for switching hats. It was very concrete. Um, I would finish at the prison at four o'clock. I would go to the gym and do a 4.30 class. And then I felt like I'd shed that skin and I could go home to be my normal self. Uh, when I stopped working at the prison, everything changed and I had to find other ways to switch hats. Mm -hmm. and, and it became, the more experienced I got, the less concrete it became and the more cognitive flexibility started to, to become part of that. By the time I had kids, I'd already been in practice for quite a long time hmm. and uh, so I had already f developed some of those skills so that when I had my children, um, you know, I was better able to be mum when I was at home and hmm. clinician and boss when I was in the office and make those transitions more easily, more fluidly. Hmm. Like you now, you know, you add more hats as you go on. It's almost like we collect hats. It's like... You know, um, this morning, um, you know, I had a mentoring business coaching client at 7.30 this morning and my husband's here, so he was getting mm. my son ready for school. 
Um, so then I walked my son to school. So I've gone from sleepy test to coaching test to mum test. Oh. I get home and I have two back-to-back one-on-one -on -one sessions with team members of mine in my practice. So then I'm supervisor and boss. Oh. And now we're doing the podcast and that's why it's nearly one o'clock. <laughs> You know, so this is the, the fluidity, you know, moving in and out. And for me now, it's perfectly natural. In fact, I did a live stream the other day about, you know, all the hats that we wear and the flexibility that's required and how a typical day for me is everybody else's probably from the outside looks chaotic. But to me, as long as my diary is accurate, I know exactly where I need to be and what mode I'm in. It doesn't even occur to me that I'm switching a hat. I'm moving very fluidly from one thing to the next. And um, I agree, it's a skill. It's a skill. Uh, I, think, I think that pain point that practice owners experience is when they first take on team and they want to be team teammates. Yeah. Oh, yes. They want to be teammates. And then they realise, well, hang on, I'm also the boss and I'm possibly also the supervisor. Yeah. So... Um, it's really, it's, it's quite confronting initially to realise that. And um, before I had a group practice, when I was doing uh, research supervision at the university and I had a team of students working under me doing mm. research and I realised very quickly I'm not their teammate. I'm mm. their clinical lead or their research lead on these projects. Mm. And every now and then I see Facebook photos where they've all gotten together and done something social and I feel really left out. And then I remember I wasn't their teammate. I was you know, basically their boss yeah. and it would be really unusual. You know, I can't think of a single boss that I've ever invited mm. to something personal of mine in the past. You know, that's a really normal distinction. But it's a transition that you have to learn to make. And you have to learn to make it really quickly because you never know when a team member is going to need um, either really tight supervision from you or, more likely, really tight performance management. And that doesn't even mean punishment, yeah. inserted commas. It yeah. might be that you really have to drill into something they're not doing right and really ramp up, you know, helping them to get it right Otherwise, there's significant consequences for your business, for your reputation, mm. and so on. I mean, the obvious stuff is, you know, um, administrative things there, clinical things in some cases. So you, know, you have to get those things right. Couldn't agree more. Um, one of my inner circle members from last year um, put it really in, in, in such a, I just love the uh, way that she spoke about this experience that she had. Because of course she also went through it, right? Yeah. And she um, says that you know it's like when you're growing up and you and you know you're sitting at the kids' table and the adults are sitting there. You know when you're having dinner and all the families together and there's just enough space for the adults at the adult table and the kids yeah. you eat a little. You sometimes in our house it's just around the coffee table, right? With pillows, you kids eat there, and it's like all you want to do as a kid is sit at the adult table. Yeah. Right? And then when you get to the adult table, so you become a practice owner. Yes. Now it looks way more fun over there in the kids' table. Yeah, right? It is much more fun yeah. at the kids' table. It's always more fun at the kids' table because you get to make fun of the grown-ups. Yeah. Know? So, um, <clears throat> and it's like I completely get that. That is a really good analogy. Um, but it is what it is and it's about knowing that this is a choice we make if we yeah. step into the business owner space 
that comes with responsibilities. Sometimes it comes with certain losses and maybe the dynamics of that relationships, right? But you do it because that is what's in the best interest for the team as well. Yeah. And for the team culture, you need to step up into that CEO, right? Yeah. Um, mindset and, and start acting like that person. Doesn't mean you become a bitch overnight. It's no. just slight no, no. just of, of the way that you think as how you position yourself and your expectations because if you still expect to be invited to to their social stuff that they do on the side and you're not and you take it personally that's a recipe for disaster absolutely in fact you know i was watching i was reading something a couple of things have popped up recently um with uh you know some of the within some of the facebook groups around um people who've had really difficult experiences uh leaving other practices and um and and reading between the lines i've sort of been able to obviously hear what the clinician themselves are saying but also imagine what that practice owner must be what the stress that they must be under to be behaving the way that they're reportedly behaving and and i think that whole thing about that ceo mindset you said before you know it's not about becoming a bitch it's actually the opposite because when you when you have a really big picture vision you can see strategically where things are heading and you are well the result of that is you become less crisis focused Hmm. become less buffeted about by the day-to-day ups and downs because you can see what is and what isn't strategically aligned to the big picture you can also see what is and what isn't going to knock your strategic plan off course and the stuff that's not going to knock you off course just doesn't matter yeah and so so you're actually stress about fewer things you pick your battles much more wisely and i think you become a steadier leader because you you know where you're heading and you know people you know you trust that everyone's on this we're all on the same boat we're all heading in the same direction Uh, we just all have to row you guys have to row i'll keep looking at the map and make sure we're heading you know in the right direction um so i think it's actually yeah i think you're right you know that ceo mindset really does take a lot of the heat out of the day-to-day panic of business ownership and i could never have articulated that um without having without having experienced some major crises in my business over the years you know some major things each one of which could have knocked me flat but as i survived each one and this is true for any business owner you know as you survive each one you get more confident in what you can tolerate and what you can cope with and then you get to the point where you start going is that all you got (laughs) is that the best you can do come on bring it on i can handle more than this and so you do you become um your stamina and your tenacity and all that stuff you know gets enhanced because you've got that big picture vision yeah yeah and and once you're able to step into that mindset is it's such a great place to be right not being stressed out by stuff not becoming emotional and it's just allowing yourself and and i guess also accepting that you know we might be a small business we might be a family business doesn't mean we don't need a ceo mindset that's you right work for, you don't, don't need to be westpac ceo have a ceo mindset you can right? be a, a, the business of one you still need a ceo mindset that you that's just one of the hats that you put on and take off you might be the ceo the coo and the chief cook and bottle washer and you have to be able to transition between each of those roles within your business as a solopreneur um 
but you can't do that if you don't know the difference. Yeah. What I'm going to be talking about at Elevate, did you see that I sent you? I loved it. I love the title. Love I can't remember it. what it is now. Um, it's your superpower. Oh, that's right. Your CEO yeah. mindset is your superpower. That's right. It is, right? If yeah. you can actually step into it, uh, it's going to make your life so much easier. And which is why, everybody, the lovely Dr. Tess Pauly will be speaking on your superpower, your CEO mindset as your superpower at Elevate 2020. <laughs> I'm so excited for that. And, yeah, and it is. It's, you, you feel more bulletproof. And it's not that you don't care. And it's not that you don't empathise with your staff when they're having a tough day. No. But it also means that you're in a better position to, um, like I said before, pick your battles. You know, mm. if someone's underperforming, are they underperforming because of reasons mm. which you can work around and you've got some wriggle room around how long you're prepared to tolerate different things depending on what they are? Um, or are they underperforming because they're already one foot out the door? And with your CEO mindset firmly in place, you know, you, you can kind of mm. make very different reactions to each of those mm. examples because you're less panicky about this person's not performing. What do I need to do now? Mm. Um, take information on board as it comes to light. You can mm. slow the wheels down on others that are reacting to the mm. underperforming person and all of that sort of stuff. It's really important that you're able to do that. And again, you know, the, the example of each of us having moved and, mm. and being away from our businesses, I'm finding now that the, um, you know, the changes I'm making in my business and with my team, um, I've reached a point in my business ownership journey where I can actually see where things are heading. I can see the different directions that are, that are opening up and I can see now where I have energy, where my energy is best spent and how to utilize that the most, get the most juice out of that yeah. and make sure somebody else fills in the other needs. If I, if that's not where my energy is. And I think it's really important that we're honest with ourselves about that. You know, you, I read somewhere recently, um, the best something something like you know the best way to fail in your endeavors is to spend your time doing something you don't enjoy um you're not passionate about we all have to do stuff we don't like but in terms of you know if you're pursuing something for the money rather than for the joy of it and the passion of it um you're actually probably going to lose yeah. financially and otherwise whereas yeah. if you're putting the hard work and the passion and the drive and the energy into the right areas mm. then the money takes care of itself because you're working hard because you enjoy what you're doing. Totally. Hmm. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> well, that's a lot of wisdom for someone who started at 7.30 this morning. <laughs> You've done really well. <laughs> I think you can have the rest of the day off. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I might just take you up on that. <laughs> it's the Monday after all. Alrighty, so we have made a decision, haven't we? We've made a decision. We were aiming for a weekly podcast and we failed at that which was a great learning opportunity. <laughs> We've got behavioural flexibility, so we're good with that. We are awesome with that. And so we then decided that we learnt from that experience and we're going with a fortnightly podcast, which is actually, um, I think, given the time we've chosen, um, quite achievable. So that's the goal, a fortnightly podcast episode. Exciting. And if you so, love watching on Facebook, it will most weeks be on a Monday, unless we like travelling or whatever. 
yep. on a Monday at 11 a.m. Every second Monday, 11 a.m. Queensland time, 12 p.m. Daylight Saving Time. Yes, yeah, so 12 p.m. Melbourne, Sydney, Hobart time. Hmm. I think that's 11.30 Adelaide. Yeah. And I think that's 9 a.m. Western Australia. Correct. Sorry, Northern Territory, but I can't remember. <laughs> I, I, did they have a different time to us? Are they the same as Adelaide? I always get that bit confused. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, but I have, I have uh, mentoring clients in Western Australia, so I have gotten better at mm. including them in my thinking. Yeah. So, uh, yes, yes. All right. Well, let's wrap up the podcast. We won't hang up on Facebook just yet, which is always the bonus if you're watching on Facebook if you get a little bit of behind-the-scenes banter before and after, especially if, like, when we started, we forgot that we were live, um, <laughs> just as well we're being nice to each other. And, <laughs> um, and we will see you podcasters, podcastees, uh, in two weeks' time. Thanks for joining us, you wonderful people. Bye.